Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The fifth Sunday in children's ministry is always interesting. <laughs> but I will say to you that the children, the middle school, they have gone to this back part of the building, elementary and middle, and younger than elementary is, is uh, back on this side. So don't you appreciate our children's workers? Come on. Okay. But I, I'm going to check. So if I'm just asking if you would normally work with children to just stop for a second and ask the Lord if you had switched with someone. So I'll come to you if 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 you have forgotten. So I, I do want to tell you uh, a couple of things. On your seat, you have a um, blue form. Is a, a VBA form. VBA starts next Sunday, so we want to make sure that you sign up for that. Uh, leave that with us today. Also, I'm excited. Youth camp starts this evening for our, uh, our, our teenagers, 13 to 18. Um, the, we also have middle school. What does that mean? A middle school camp, if you're 13 or 14, you, you get to double dip this year. That's the benefit of having two camps. So I uh, want to make sure you know that. But I'm excited about the theme that the uh, youth team has come up with, Freedom From... And freedom too. And I thought, you know, when I read that several weeks ago, I thought, sometimes we just, we just think about what we need freedom from. But if there's vacancy, there's got to be a, a no vacancy put up, right? You've got to put the truth back in its place. You've got to put the victory back in the struggle where the struggle isn't anymore. And I am excited. I'm excited of a team of people coming to share the word. Not focusing on a person, but focusing on the person. Amen? Amen. I'm also excited because um, several of them petitioned last year and said, we have some ideas. And it's great when a young person has an idea and you can listen. Right? Now, you all need to say that to yourself. You might be stuck in a rut because you're not listening to the vibrancy and zeal of a young person who's in your midst. Doesn't mean they're right. But you should listen. Because the Spirit of God undoubtedly is speaking without restraint. We as adults, mature adults, very sensitive to the Spirit, often miss the zeal and the excitement of today. So I saw on there that there's something they're going to, the boom. What is the boom? To the swimming hole where the logs go. Boom! is one, one day, but there are also two uh, hikes at, at Mountain Lake to War Spur and Wind Rock. Am I getting those right? Also a float in uh, kayaks from Eggleston to Pembroke. Those are three of the new things. And then the nighttime flower war. Don't you want to know what that is? Too bad. So you'll have to wait and ask a youth... <laughs> But today's a day that we get to sow into youth camps. I said this earlier. Several people came back from Living Waters this week. It's phenomenal to be partnered with a ministry in North Carolina called Living Waters. We go to men's retreats there, women's retreats there, couples retreats there, and youth camps. And this past week was more the elementary age. Um, Not this coming week, but the following week is more middle school. And then there's a high school at the end of of, um, July. And it's great. A lot of people here go to minister. But a lot of people get discipleship there, whether you're a participant in camp or a leader in camp. And phenomenal place. We've learned a lot from Living Waters. And now we're, getting, we're able to do something a little closer to home. So we're excited about that. 
the end of uh, around the 27th, I think is the right date, there's a middle school camp. Uh, is it 27th or 28th? Where's John? 27th and 28th. Uh, we're having uh, two middle school camp days and night out at Hosea. And then on August 1st, there is an all-day first out of the packet elementary day camp, which ends with you can bring your family out and you can do family camp once uh, day camp ends. So I'm really excited about that. I also, uh, we're also going to be sending around, I told you about sign up for VBA, but we're going to take an offering right now to sow into our youth. Um, some youth can't afford to go. We try to underwrite the cost of camp, these three camps. So we're going to take that as a has a, a spotlight on missions, and I'm really believing that we'll get more than we need and we can show into living waters. They also have need as we send people there. So um, I'm, you, this is our one time a month. We'll do it this week, and we'll probably do it next week. But, Lord, thanks for this day. Amen. Thanks that you give us opportunity to sow and invest in our youth today into the generation that will care for us, the generation that reminds us of zeal and vigor and power and out of the box and the fact that you're alive today because they're experiencing you in ways that we have forgotten because you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thanks that we have an opportunity today to partner with you. Amen? Amen. I'm just going to turn Tom loose. <laughs> but uh, you act like, like I'm a wild caged animal. You are, bro. <laughs> you are. I know what's in you, bro. <laughs> I've heard it. But we're going to pray. Tom and I just want to agree and just uh, ask us to agree uh, about for the offering, the tithe. Amen. And just uh, something on my heart really just been recently in relationship to the tithe and dwelling place. And uh, just some crazy things happening in the spirit and uh, in relationship to us. And so, uh, can we agree for this this morning? We're going to pray blessings on that in Jesus' name. Come here, Robbie. You yeah, don't even see your face here. I like Robbie's prayer on blessed offerings. Come here, tithes. Come here, Robbie. Yeah. Swift, you lay your hands on that box. Yeah. I'm pretty sharp, man. You like that? Hey, brother. Hey, buddy. For the promise to Abraham, or to his descendants, us, right? Save it, bro. <laughs> that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So, Father, uh, took my message today, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, we just receive uh, your blessing, <laughs> not by our works, not by our doing. But we just simply put our hope and our trust in you, Jesus. Yeah. You're so faithful and you're so good. You've always taken care of us. We're, we're all blessed <laughs> beyond what, what we could even imagine. And I just pray that uh, by faith that you would bless this tithes and bless these offerings, Lord. Uh, and we just receive that, Lord, by faith. We put our hope and our trust in you, God. You're so good, Lord. Thank you for never forsaking us, for never leaving us, God. Thank you for your goodness and thank you for these people that you brought here today. Yeah. We pray that you bless them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can take that.
Yeah. 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 Amen. 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 Woo! Yeah. That's good. Right. Well, good morning. Oh, thank you, Richard. And uh, I brought my written word today. The the natural law failed me last week. (laughs) All right. do we have PowerPoint? Ah, okay. You know, I've been on a journey, a personal journey, um, since my, my son-in-law passed away six months ago this week. And, uh, you know, I really just believe that, you know, I, don't, I didn't understand all things with regard, you know, to, to what happened. I still don't, you know. But I do believe this. I do believe that it's God's will to reveal and to bring revelation and truth with regard to, you know, what, what we, I can learn, and what we can learn to be more effective. And, and that's really led me on this journey of faith. Um, and one of the things that I, as I've been pursuing this, and I know that Rick's probably sick of me talking about this all the time, but I mean, there's, <laughs> it is so big in my heart right now, you know, and I think there's just a lot of things that we as a church need to grasp and understand with regard to faith, because I think oftentimes we both think incorrectly, I think we pray incorrectly, um, or I should say ineffectually, put it that way, because there's a release of faith that occurs, there's a release of power that occurs when we are operating in the law of faith correctly. You know, as a scientist, um, I've always had a desire to understand how the natural works, you know, how things operate and, and function. And as you know, I, I am pursuing that with regard to the earth and, and those things and, and the things that God's put in my heart with regard to what has transpired. And I believe that a lot of that is just simply understanding how natural laws work. But it's also, in combination with that, it's revelation through faith. And, and so I want to start today just, be, just talking a little bit about law. Um, and even natural laws. You know, we are governed, this world, the way God has set up this world, not only this world, but I believe even the, the heavenlies, um, the kingdom of heaven is functioned and is based on God's laws. And if it didn't, it would fall apart. I mean, if this world did not have natural laws, I mean, think of the law of gravity. Think where we would be if we didn't have the law of gravity. Yeah, what, it would, so you might argue that, well, I wouldn't have such a big, you know, gut or whatever, but, you know, because it wouldn't have all fallen. But, um, but you know, we, we function. I mean, when you get up out of bed, you put your feet on the ground, you, you have faith that, you know, that gravity is going to, you know, be there to hold you up and you're going to be able to walk. I mean, you wouldn't be able to drive without, you know, flying off the road if you didn't have gravity, right? And the thing is, it's not just gravity. There's all kinds of laws that we, uh, that we adhere to. Um, I'm gonna, a couple I'm going to talk about, just real briefly. Ohm's Law. Does everybody know what Ohm's Law is? Ohm's Law that governs electricity, right? It's, it's our understanding of how electricity flows and operates. And then I, as a groundwater hydrologist, I use what's called Darcy's Law, 
which governs how groundwater flows through rocks. In, in Darcy's law, and here's the beauty of it, Darcy's law and Ohm's law are completely synonymous. They're, I mean, they, they are exactly the same law. The different uh, parameters in terms of what they mean, but the same, exactly the same law. One governs groundwater, one governs electricity. And then there's, there's Maxwell's laws. Now, if you're, you have to be a real geek probably to know what that is. But that's electromagnetics, you know. And in this world, we would be bombarded by cosmic radiation if it wasn't for, you know, the electromagnetic, the laws that God made to protect us. You know, and we, don't, we just don't think about those kind of things. And the other thing about laws that are kind of interesting is that even though we don't necessarily see, you know, we don't physically see gravity, Right? We don't see electricity. You know, you might see the effect of electricity in lightning, but you're not actually seeing the electrons that are actually flowing. In gravity, are you seeing, observing gravity? No, we don't actually see it, but we feel its effects, right? We can actually measure it as well. You can measure gravity. We know exactly, precisely, down to many decimal points, anywhere on the earth, what, the, what, what gravity is. It's a constant. And that's the other thing I want to talk about in a little bit, too, about the constancy, or the, it, it's fixed. You can count on it. So, laws. Um, we, are, we need these laws. And the thing is, there's also something called a law of faith. And it's the same way. We don't necessarily, we don't see it, right? We don't, but it's there. It's real. In fact, let's go on to the first, next slide. Faith is something that's measurable, just like gravity is measurable, just like the flow of electricity, we can measure that. Faith is also measurable. It says, for though the, the grace given me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as he, a sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So God has given us a measure. In other words, it's something measurable. And in, in, in fact... Um, if you look up the Greek of that word, it actually means a standard. Now, if you're, if you're a, a, a scientist or an engineer, you know what standards are. Richard, you know what a standard is, right? A standard is something that you, you, everything else is measured by. And it is fixed. It's a fixed quantity. So the question is, is, is every, I mean, we could argue, is everyone given the, the same measure of faith? I don't, I don't know the answer, but if I were to look at this literally what the Greek is, I would say we all are given the same measure of faith. We're all given the same measure. It's what, you know, the thing is then, well, does everybody operate in the same functioning of faith? The answer is that is no, and we're going to look at why that is. But we're all given the same measure. And the neat thing is, the measure that we have is perfectly sufficient to do everything beyond we could ever hope or imagine. To raise the dead, to heal the sick, because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is operating in us. You know, we have it. We have it. I mean, Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, and it says, you don't need, you know, but the, a mustard seed to say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted into the sea. And certainly, I bet, we, I, without a doubt, we have more than a mustard seed. We have plenty sufficient. So the measurable amount isn't the issue, but it is measurable. So faith is a measurable quantity. What else is faith? Let's look. Next, faith is a substance. Now, in our, in our translation, the official dwelling place translation of the Bible, um, <laughs> says, 
says faith is the assurance of things hoped for. But if you go to the New King James, it actually says faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's, uh, the, word, the Greek word is hypostasis. And uh, it's the substance. Now, so faith is actually a substance of things. You know, it's, it's tangible. And you think, wow, it's, but I don't see it. Well, gravity is tangible too. So is electricity. You know, but I guess we could feel electricity if we were, we're not careful. Um, so we need to be careful of that. Let's look at else. What else faith is? You can feel faith. Huh? Pardon? You can feel faith. Yeah, you can. Sure, you can feel faith. Yeah, absolutely. Faith also has value. Um, look at this. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold. Do you ever think about that? That your faith is more precious than gold. Now we think you know gold is the most precious commodity or one of the most precious commodities. Um, and yet, Jesus declares that our faith is more, more precious than that. It's, it has value. And certainly, because you get an, a power bill from the electric company every month, you know that electricity has value too, right? <laughs> you got to be careful, because if you use too much, you pay more. So there's value placed on uh, things regarding the law, the natural law. All right. Now, the, the interesting thing is, law is something that's fixed. And it's, it's, it's constant. We can depend on it. I mean, in other words, gravity's not going to be different if I go somewhere else in the earth. You know, if I go to Japan or something, you know, gravity, unless you're a real science geek and say, well, wait a minute, because you're a little bit farther from the center of the earth, you know, it might be a little bit different. Yeah, you could make those arguments, but basically it is the same. I mean, it's the same everywhere. We can count on it. And then we could argue then that faith is a law, then we can count on faith too. That is, it is, is a constant. And you go, wow, that's really, you know, that's really kind of hard to believe when you think about it. Really, faith is, a, is, is completely constant. In other words, we can know it. We can know how it operates. Yes. You know, think where we were 200 years ago with regard to our understanding of electricity. What did we know about electricity 200 years ago? Virtually nothing. Zippo. What, does that mean that we had no capability of, of being able to function and operate with electricity back then? Well, no. I mean, nothing's changed. The law hasn't changed. The law of electricity hasn't changed over the past 200 years. What's changed? Our understanding of the law. It's our understanding, our knowledge, and how the law operates that allows us to be able to do all the things we do with electricity, to have lights, to have air conditioning, to have cell phones, to do, you know, travel you know, in an airplane, all these things. Why? Because our understanding has, what, increased. And this is the thing I think the Lord is trying to get us to a place where we understand how the law of faith operates. Let's move on to the next couple overheads. So, you know, forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled. In other words, it's fixed, it's settled. His word is not changing today. It's a fixed thing. We can know, you know, what people say, well, we can never really know how God moves or operates. You know, I don't agree with that. I believe we can know. Yeah. He desires for us to know how he operates and how he moves. Because why? His laws are fixed. They're fixed. You establish the earth and it stands. I mean, the things, how he established things are fixed. For us, because he wants us to know and how they operate. He wants us to understand how they move. And look at Colossians. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. How do they hold together? Because of the laws that he created. 
He created the laws for us to know and to understand. And I believe the law of faith is much the same way. Let's move on to the next. It says, Every good thing given in every perfect gift is from above, coming down from heaven, the Father of lights, with whom there is what? No variation and no shifting shadow. I mean, he's saying right there, in him there's no variation. We don't have to wonder how he's going to move or operate. You know, a shifting shadow means you don't know where it's going to be from one point to another. That's not true with the Lord, and it's not true with faith, okay? In Christ Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is not changing. We can count on him. He's going to be a, a fixed. He's going, we're going to understand how he moves, and, uh, and that, to me, is really exciting. And so let's take this journey then, and before we really move on, I want to talk about, let's just look at the various laws in the Word of God. And as if you've been in dwelling place for any length of time, Rick spent a lot of time talking about these. So let's go on to the next. And right in this very first part of Romans here, we really see the three key laws of the Word of God. All right? It says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, that's where we need to be operating. And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is a law of faith. I will say that right now. It is a law of faith. Okay? It has set you free from what? The law of sin and death. Another law. Rick's talked about in great detail. We've taken any courses here. The law of sin and death comes up. For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You know the law of sin and death. And verse 3, it says, for what the law, now notice there's a capital L here, the law, big, big L refers to what? The law of Moses. So we have another law. And it was the law of Moses, of course, that would, what revealed sin to us, right? So that what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Wow, that's, enc- that's encouraging, that the requirement of that might be fulfilled in us. Of course, it was fulfilled, why? In Jesus, and therefore it's been fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, or according to what? The law of faith. The law of faith. The same thing, of course, now let's see. He said, well, is faith really a law? Well, let's look. The Word of God even says it is. Uh, let's see, can you go back, is it, nope, let's go, go forward a minute. Okay, keep going. Uh, yeah, it's Romans, well, let me just read this really quickly. It says, where, where in Romans 3.27, I know I have it up there, it'll be, I'll put it in a second. I'm, I'm probably, ah, okay, where then is there boasting, is, it is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but of law of faith. So faith is a law. And it's not a law like, I mean, we can think of a lot of different types of law. Like, if you think of political laws, you know, it's like, well, let's, let's interpret those political laws and let's get our, you know, however we interpret them is really how they operate. No, that's not it. It's fixed. Okay, we've already seen it's fixed. The law of faith is fixed. And that, to me, is really exciting. So God doesn't change. We've already seen that he doesn't change in any way. So let's move on and let's look at, uh, yes, okay. 
Here's one of the first laws of, of faith, I believe, right here. And we can see it, and it's an, a perfect example. That if we confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is a law. That is fixed. You know the exciting thing about this? It has nothing to do with what we've done. It has nothing to do with who we are, where we've been, what we've been through. The law of faith simply says if you confess and believe in your heart, you will be saved. You know, that is a a tremendous thing. It is absolutely tremendous. That is a law. It's, It's something that God cannot vary by that. It's his promise. It's a faith. It's the faithfulness of his promise to us. It's fixed. So when people say, man, I can't, God could never accept me. I'm not worthy. It it, doesn't have anything to do with that. It's a law. It's fixed. He said it so. That's how he created, you know, from the foundation of the world. He knew he was going to have to send his son, but he did it. And therefore, when we accept him, that's it. You know, 1 John 2, 2, I don't have it. This is really good because it says that in he himself is the propitiation for our sin. Now, I know, propitiation, right? I mean, I've never even heard that word used outside of the Bible. Have you? Never. But it really means atoning sacrifice. So he is the atoning sacrifice for our sin, and not only ours, but of those of the whole world. In other words, God has already paid the price for everyone's sin forevermore. It's been paid for. You know, and we're not going to hell because of our sin. The world is not going to hell because of their sin. The world is going to hell because they rejected the one who could save them from their sin, Jesus Christ. You know, and that's why I have a hard time with these, you know, these preachers that get up and say, you're going to hell because of your sin. No, that's not true. It's not true. It's just they need Jesus. See, we need to get people to receive Jesus. Let's not focus on their sin. That's irrelevant. It's been paid for. They need Je- we need Jesus. And the thing is, too, here, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. So there is some perfecting. Really, it comes down to his understanding. Really understanding how faith operates. And that's really what we, where I want to go. And I want to begin by first starting by with... First starting... Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, got him. Okay, good. I'm going to talk about here what faith is not, first of all. You know, it, it's amazing to me that we don't have a problem with this whole salvation, you know, that there's, it's, we, we've been saved by grace through faith, right? We don't have a problem with that. And yet when we become Christians, we somehow think that we have to perform, that we have to do something in order to you know, that if we are operating in faith, we will do something. And I'm going to talk about works in a little bit here. That's, but we, we get into this performance-based Christianity where we think, we, oh, man, i got to do stuff. i got to, you know, God's not going to love me if I do this or I've sinned and God doesn't love me or his approval is based on my performance. How many of you thought that way before, that, you're, that God's approval of you is based on, you know, how I'm acting, how I'm behaving today? Yeah. We've done that, and that is completely not truth. 
That is completely false. God's love for us will never change. He will, you know what? God's always in a good mood when he thinks of you. You know, that set me free. I'll tell you, when I heard that, that set me free. That God's in a good mood when he thinks of me. It puts him in a good mood. That's exciting. Woo! You know, I thought that if I could believe well enough, you know, when I, I go back last fall, when, last October, you know, when I was, you know, when my son-in-law was, you know, diagnosed with cancer and really sick, you know, and I was just going up there with this idea that, you know, thinking in my mind, if I, if my, if I could just, just drum up enough faith, if I could just have enough faith, well, I just already missed it. If I could, just that thinking right there. That thinking, it completely misses the mark because we already have the measure. That's good. The measure has already been given to me. I can't get more of it. We can't grow faith. It's not like money that grows on trees. It, you can't do that either. It, faith doesn't grow. What it does, it becomes perfected because we understand how it flows and operates. That's good. You know, faith, you know, here's this. God is not moved. This is a truth. God is not moved or motivated by our faith. Do you understand that? That God is not moved or motivated by our faith. Think, oh my goodness. Instead, faith is simply the positive response to what God has already provided us by grace. It's appropriating what he has promised through his word by grace. It's really, it's just activating, it's activating what he's given us. It's agreeing with what God has already given us. It's all what he's already provided for us. It's an agreement. It's like, just like a covenant, the new covenant. We're agreeing with what Jesus has done for us, and he's paid for it. What this means is that when we begin to pray, and I've, we've all done this, when we're praying for someone, we start begging God. Oh, God, please do this. You know, we're just, you know what, we're missing it when we pray that way. We ask God, and I, 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 I'll, I'll be stronger. We ask God to heal. And God says, you heal. He told us, let's go on to the next scripture here. I think it's up here. It says, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them the authority of over, over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. You know, God has given us the authority. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. He's given us authority to heal the sick. You know, when James or in, in John, or Peter and John, I think it was, that went to the gate, you know, beautiful in, in Acts chapter 3, you know, the, the guy that was sitting there, you know, silver and gold I do not have. But what I have, they knew what they had. I give to you. They knew they already had. They knew they had it. And in Matthew 10, 7, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. Freely you receive. Freely give. We need a proactive prayer. You know, we need to speak. I mean, Jesus said in... Um, I'm dropping your picks. Yeah, I'm getting in a little bit ahead of myself. But he's, you know, he spoke in, in, in um, Mark chapter 11. You know, you know, say to this mountain, 
be cast up and thrown into the sea. I mean, he's giving us a blueprint of how faith operates, to speak to the things. You know, oftentimes we tell our God about our sickness when really we should tell, be telling our sickness about God, about what, you know, that you need to flee sickness, you need to go, because my God says, you, you know, be gone. He's given me authority over you. And we need to operate that way. And oftentimes, I think we miss it. We violate the law of faith because we don't pray correctly. Let's move on. And I want to talk about grace. Oh, it didn't finish. It's not just through, but through. it should be through faith, okay? Grace is appropriated through faith. In Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, I mean, we had it up earlier. At least we had 2, 8 up there. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not just grace alone. I mean, God has poured out his grace, but we cannot receive his grace unless we activate it, appropriate it with faith. And it's the same thing, I mean, with salvation. God has given every man in the world, every man, woman, and child in the world, the grace for salvation. But do all receive it? No. Why not? Because it's not activated unless it's what? Appropriated with faith. We have to what? Confess with our mouth and believe with our, you know, confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts. That is faith. It's activated through faith. It's not, it, it's not works so that no one can boast. It's, it's grace through faith. They're in conjunction with one another. And in other words, grace is, can only be appropriated when it's activated through faith. And we see this too in the next scripture, Romans 12, 6. It says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. You know, each one of us has a gift. How many of you actually know what spiritual gift you have? How many? Raise your hand if you know what spiritual gift you have. Okay, about 20% of this body raised their hands. That's not a good thing. I mean, I'm just saying that's, that's, that, that's a call to us as elders to go, whoa, we need, you know, something needs, we need to, to have some better understanding about how to, under, uh, to teach this because we all have been given a gift, right? It says, but they all differ. And each of us to the exercise them accordingly, if prophecy, according to what? The proportion of his faith. Now, the proportion does not have to do with the measure of, of, of faith. It has to do with the appropriation. It's appropriating faith. And this is what we're really talking about today, is how do we appropriate faith so that it flows? Just like understanding how electricity operates, we need to understand its laws. We need to understand how it flows in order to maximize what? The flow of electricity. If you tried to wire your gym, if, if I, Jim, if I tried to wire my house with wood, it's not going to work very good, is it? But if I use copper, things are good, right? Why? Because I have a knowledge. I understand that electricity flows through copper better than it does through wood. Okay? And so it's the same way with us, with faith. We think, man, if, I, you know, if, if we're trying to get things to flow through wood, it's, we're going to have a hard time. So we got to get it right. All right. Let's move on. So faith, here's one, another spiritual law. Let's go on to the next one. Um, ah, yeah, okay. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is a law of faith. 
You know, the only way that I, we can learn to appropriate faith is by a, a rhema or a logos word of God. And, you know, this is why we need to get, you know, our face into this. If we want to operate in faith, we want to see the flow of faith, to understand the knowledge, to understand what we need to do to be effectual, uh, not just doers, but, but, but faith people. It comes from the Word of God. It only comes from the Word of God. There's no, there's no other, there's no magical formula. It's not, you know, we... we it's not from you know fellowship, although it can come from fellowship because in, hopefully in your fellowship you're teaching each other the word of God, you're speaking the word of God. But it comes from hearing the word of God, opening our heart to the word of God. That's how we appropriate grace through our faith, or grace through faith. You know that's how I fell in love with the word. Actually, I just decided last fall, and I had all this. I took this time off of my work, and I just spent twelve hours a day in this, and I just fell in love with the word all over again, and it just caused my heart to leap. You know, if I, we have to ask ourselves, you know, if if God, if we don't feel our, our that our our faith is, is is effectual, and we're not seeing it, we have to ask ourselves, you know, why not? You know, it's, oftentimes it's because, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what place does the Word of God have in our lives? You know, do we, do we rise with the Word? Do we go to bed with the Word? Or are we, you know, filling our, our minds with secular stuff all the time? I'm not saying it's always bad, some of this stuff that's, uh, you know, to read other things. But, you know, if, if we're constantly, if that's the priority, and the things of the world, in the television, and all of that, if that's the priority, and this word isn't the nourishment of your daily life, then you know what? You can't expect faith to be effectual. Because why not? Because you're not hearing the word. Faith comes from hearing. It takes this. This is the answer right here. It's the word of God. Let's look at the next scripture. What is it? Up? Can you move to the next one? Yeah, look at this. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And for he who comes to God must be, not believe that just that he is, but he's the rewarder of those who seek him. God, see, God's heart is for us to seek him. You know, a lot of times, though, when I first read this, I thought, oh, God's just not pleased with me. It doesn't say, you know, it, it, that's, not, that's, that's, not, that's wrong thinking to you know, God loves, his, his attitude toward, like I said, his attitude toward me has not changed. But he's constantly get, desiring for me to understand this whole idea of the law of faith. That we really can't, how can we, because we, if you're not in faith, you're in sin, the word of God says. For whatever is not of faith is sin. So consequently, whatever is sin is not of faith. And so if we're not in faith, what are we in? We're probably in sin, Right? And so if we're, then we're missing the mark. So we have a choice. We can operate in faith and walk by faith, or we can walk, or we're walking by sin. There's really, there's no, there's no dividing line there. And even in Galatians, if we turn there, Galatians 3, look, look at, let's look at this. Because, you know, this is what I was talking about. We start operating and think then that, oh, I, I just, if I do good. 
if I start operating, you know, if I just, you know, if I walk in the law, I'll be okay. He says, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, that you are now being perfected by the flesh? See, he's saying there, you were born, you, you accepted Jesus by faith, so why now are you start, all of a sudden start thinking that it's the law that's going to save you? It's the law that's going to, to fulfill you. You know, it's not. No one's justified by the law, by the works of the law. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by works of the law? Or by hearing with faith. The law will never provide. The law will never produce supernatural works. The law is, is well, we've talked about it in here. It can be a tutor. You know, and some of us, that's where our faith is at. But that's not where God ultimately wants us to be. He wants us to walk in the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the law of faith. Because the law of faith is what produces miracles. It's what heals. It's what does all the miraculous things. It's what brings life. And I will get to that in a little bit. So the whole idea that we have to somehow perform. You know, and look at verse 6 and 7 here too, because this is so good. It says, so even as Abraham believed God, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Do you know that faith? Faith is like a deposit in in the bank. And what we get back is righteousness. You know, when you produce faith, when, when there's works of faith, that the credit to you will always be righteousness. You know, we want to be a righteous people, right? But how do we get, how do we become righteous? Believing. Just believing. All right. Let's move on to works of faith. Because I'm going to, this is, oh, by the way, this is part one. I'm not going to get through this, not even close today. So this is part one. And if you'll put up with that, yeah, that's, um, that'd be great. Okay. <laughs> Works of faith. You know, James tells us that, let's read it. In James two seventeen to 20, it says, Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone will say, well, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But you are willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless. You know, we can too, we can take this scripture and turn it into a law. That, oh man, you know, I'm a believer, and I I, want to live by faith, so I got to start doing stuff. Uh, I, I better get involved, you know, quick, I'll take the children's ministry. You know, well, you know, not that that's a bad thing, but, you know, we start thinking that we somehow have to perform, that we have to, you know, do this stuff. And I will just say that if we're operating in faith, the deeds will become evident in themselves because we are actually flowing by the Spirit of God. We're flowing 
by the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. They, they will become evident. They will do the, themselves. They really, you'll want to. Because once you're doing it, you're delighting yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. You'll start doing the things that God ordained you for, for you to do. You know, I would, years ago, I listened to a radio show. And here's an example. We can do good stuff, and it can be just completely law. But I, years ago, I was listening to this guy. Performance. Yeah. yeah. What did I say? Oh. oh. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, but per, it, 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 performance. So anyway, he, I was listening to this guy on the radio, and he was, a, he was a preacher, and he was talking about how, you know, he just, he just really believed God called him to, you know, witness to someone every day, you know, to share the gospel with someone every day. And, you know, he, he was going on, he was talking on this radio show, and it just feels like, you know, I, I just, I committed myself to just, you know, preaching the gospel every day to somebody. And, uh, and he's, going, he's going, I've done it for 16 years, taught, you know, preach the gospel to someone every day. Now, is that a good thing? I don't think that's, you would, we'd say that, of course, that's a good thing. But here's the thing. He, said, he, talks about, he talked about, too, how he was laying in bed one night, and it was 11 o'clock at night, and he woke up out of a sound sleep going, oh, my gosh, I haven't witnessed to anybody yet today. He's, and he just panicked, and he got up out of bed, got his clothes on, drove his car downtown, and found someone on the street to share the gospel with. Because he, it was an hour before midnight, and he was doggone was not going to go to bed before sharing the gospel on that day. You know, whoa, dude. You know, <laughs> you know so what is that guy operating in? I'd say a little bit of law, right? He's operating in law. That's not freedom. I mean, it's like, what, what, would, it, what would happen to the poor guy had he not done that? He woke up the next day and realized... Oh, my streak, it's ended, you know. My Iron Man, it's gone. Uh, I don't know, what, you know, but the thing is, that's what the law will do, for, do though, right? It, it's just performance. And it's not supposed to be that way. Look at Galatians 2.16 with me, will you? Okay. It says, nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. We're not justified by doing works of the law. But what? Through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Our works, our good deeds that are done in, in the law. You know, sometimes, you know, that's where we're at. You know what? And it's okay. But you know what? We're not going to be justified by them. The only thing that we're justified by is faith through in, in, in Jesus. Okay? So doing spiritual things, I mean, is not going to justify us before God. Our motivation is, do, in, is doing good to win God's favor. If, if that's it, we've completely missed it. And I think oftentimes, I know I've thought that way. Man, if I just do these things, I mean, that God will be pleased with me. Wow, that is it. That, we have to get that out of our mind. God loves us unconditionally no matter what. But his, you know, here's the thing. Um, so how do we discern? Or what, what, so then what, is, what are the works that count? And this is so big. Look at John 6.29. This is absolutely critical. And Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. You know, that, this scripture set me free. It really set me free. 
to understand that his whole heart for me is simply to believe, is to believe in him, to trust him, to know him. You know, it's so powerful. So, you know, what then is the outcome of believing? Well, let's look at John 16, 33. These things have I spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I've overcome the world. This is where it's all headed. You know, I used to read this scripture and I go, oh, that's great, Jesus, good for you. (laughs) You're the son of God, you have overcome the world. You know, but Jesus was saying this to us, for us, that we could overcome the world, that believe in me, if you believe in him, you too can overcome the world. Look at 1 John 5, 4. It's related to this. It's absolutely critical. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. It's our faith. We overcome through faith. Not by works, by believing, by trusting, by by acknowledging that this is the word of life that it's everything, that he is truth, it will set you free. Faith does demand works. In fact, our faith will reveal what we believe and how we respond. You know, we can, and we can respond in a law way, or we can respond by believing in faith. But we will always, our, what we believe, what, what is in our heart will always come out through, through actions, through through works in one way or another. And I'm going to probably step on some toes here, okay? I even, I'll even step on my own, believe me. Do we believe that, you know, sickness is part of this fallen world? I do. Do you? I mean, it is part of this fallen world, right? So the question is, how do we respond? Like, if, I, if we get sick, what is, how, do, how do we respond to that? Okay, there's two responses, typically. Number one is we go to the medicine chest and we take something. Let's say if you have a, you know, a headache or you're sick or something, our, our response dictates what we believe. Now, if we believe that the medicine is going to heal us, does that mean it will? Well, maybe, maybe not. And why do I say that? Because we're now in the law. Okay, the law... Now we're talking about law. We're under the law of that medication, and so we're whatever the you know the medicine will do for us is what it'll do for us, including the side effects. Now, if you ever listen to those commercials on TV, some of those side effects, whoa, dude! I mean, could cause you know blindness, sterility, death. You know, the thing is, when we operate in the law, that's what we get. That's what we get. You know, our, Jesus really wants our first response when something happens to us is to turn to him. That is really a sign of faith. I mean, really, if we're uh, truly w- within ourselves, if we really think about it, when something happens, God wants us to turn to him. He wants us to say, Jesus, I need you. You know, does that mean that we should not use doctors or not use medication? No, I'm not saying that. But who, where does our first response lie? You know, where are we really turning to? I mean, we, we have to ask ourselves that. 
you know, here's, the, here's another thing. Um, again, we're not justified by believing the law. Let's look at Romans 3, 19 and 20 really quick here. It says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth that may be closed in all the world may become accountable to God, because by the works of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law simply comes the knowledge of sin. See, God is calling us again to believe by faith. Because why? Because here's the key. Here's the interesting thing. Faith is is not under the law. Faith is not under the law. So let's look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We all know this one. Next verse, please. For the fruit of the Spirit is love. You know, this is the life of Christ. This is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, right? Law of faith. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The things that, this is exciting to me because it's saying that the, we're not dictated by the things of the law. And when I say law, I'm not just talking about the law of Moses. I'm even talking about natural law. The things of the Spirit are not under law. Why can Jesus perform miracles? Is it because, why can he walk on water? Is it because there's no gravity underneath Jesus? No, there was still gravity. But what? The the law of faith supersedes the natural law. It supersedes law. There is no law. And that is why God is ultimately wanting us to flow in faith. Then we are going to start seeing people healed, the dead raised, the deaf hearing. We're going to see it because there is no law when we're operating in faith. We're not, you know, we're not under law. We're under his grace. That's exciting to me. You know, that's really exciting. You know, faith demands a positive response. It is agreement with God, what God has already promised. You know, if you look all through the Bible, you know, when Jesus prayed for people or, you know, when people came to him, there was a response. There has to be a response. You know, Mark, uh, I think it's 10.24 or 11.24, says that, you know, when you pray, believe that you have received it. When you pray, not when you see it. We don't live, you know, faith is not living by sight. You live by faith, not by sight. You know, the sight is the natural. The sight is the, you know, it, it's the natural law. Faith has nothing to do with that. We have to believe when we pray that we've received it. So it demands, faith demands a positive response. So if we're, you know, laying in bed and someone's praying, you know, I'm laying in bed and I'm, let's say I'm sick and someone prays for me, I need to respond in faith that I am well. If I just lay there, what am I saying to my, what am, how am I responding? I am not believing. Because if I really believe what he has prayed, what God has said is true, I'm going to get up out of my bed. You know, every time, again, where we see Jesus healed, there was a positive response. He said, stick out your hand, when, you know, so the guy could have it... Uh, restored. Or, you know, when he put the mud in the guy's eyes, he'd go, go wash in the pool. Now, what if he didn't wash in the pool? That's not a positive response. The guy that laid, you know, put the, the, the uh, mat through the roof, you know, he says, your faith, is, he saw the faith. They responded positively, knowing that they would be made well. The woman who was bleeding, hemorrhaging, 
she knew that if she touched his robe, she would be well. It was a positive response. You know, she could have been stoned to death because she was bleeding. She was unclean in the midst of the crowd. She took a risk. She risked her life, but she knew faith was bigger than all her other things around her, her problems. She knew that if she touched, she would be made well. Faith demands a positive response. You know, I'm going to have to stop here because, you know, we're, because there's a whole other thing. If I go on to the next one, and I, next time I get the talk, I want, to, I want to talk about the hindrances to our faith because I think this is really important because it has to do with the law of faith. You know, faith operates but when we understand how its workings, just like electricity. We can appropriate electricity because we understand how it works. Faith is the same way. We need to understand how it operates. And, uh, and so I'm going to have to, I'm going to stop here because it, it's going to take at least another 30, 40 minutes to do that. And I don't want to do that right now because it's already almost quarter after. So I, will, I want to stop here. But I, I just hope and pray that somehow that there's something that just touched your heart today with regard to just understanding there's a constancy in God in the way he operates. And he's for us. He's not against us. And he wants us to believe. I mean, he's calling us to believe. That's the work of God, that we believe. Because when we believe, we will operate in the fruit of the Spirit. And we will love one another. We will do the things. We will do the work of Christ. Because we'll start loving one another. Because he first loved us. We will understand that. We'll operate in faith. We'll operate in goodness. We'll operate in in kindness. And boy, that's what the world's going to see. And they're going to know that we are his disciples because we, we, they'll see the love. That's the work of Christ, is to believe. So let me just pray. And I know Rick will probably have something he wants to add. <laughs> he wants to sum it up. That's good. You want me to pray or you want me to pray after you sum it up? You want to sum it up first? Yeah, Tom was talking about, um, you know, he was, as a scientist, one Tom thing Tom does is he uh, takes, correct, help me out here, Tom. Okay? Yeah. yeah. You take empirical evidence yeah. to evaluate the validity of, of something, correct? That's right. And I feel like God is calling us right now to take some empirical evidence and to describe in reality that the law of faith is real and has effects in lives. So I want to ask real quick, uh, for some testimony, some, uh, I'm going to quote, I'm going to get religious and then I'm going to get unreligious. <laughs> Testimonies or slash empirical evidence that faith has effects in this realm. Salvation, changing hearts, healing, finances. I need sentence evidence that the law of faith is true. I have one. <laughs> no, I have a recent one. All right. Okay. Yeah, I have, I have a recent one. In fact, when we went up to, uh, just recently, we went up to Toronto for a wedding, and Ingrid's nephew's wedding, and we were then taking Ariel um, back to the airport, and we were getting ready to leave to head home. Of course, when you're in Toronto, you're in another country. And so, and, uh, so I said when we were at the airport, I said, goodbye, Ariel. And, I, and I, then I said, well, let's, we need our passports. 
because um, we're going to be heading across the border. So I said, Ingrid, you know, get our passports, because I had given them to her to hold on to and to keep. And, uh, and of course, she has this look in her eye. I don't know where they are. And so we start rifling through everything. Her purse, which is the, the place that it should have been, wasn't there. You know, every, her backpack, nope. And I knew it wasn't with me because I had given them to her because I was driving and I handed the passports to her. And so I, I start going through my mind. Now, I wasn't panicking or anything, but I'm going, oh, great. Now we're going to have to go to the embassy. We don't have our passports. I was thinking, well, they, they get stolen at the hotel or whatnot. And then Ingrid goes, well, we should pray. And I go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, again, I was, I was operating in law. I was just going, okay, this, uh, you know, the natural thing would be to go to the, you know, go to the embassy and get some, you know, get, deal with all of that. And within five seconds, the Lord said, they're in the bottom of Ingrid's suitcase. I mean, just as clear as day. So I pull out her suitcase out of the back trunk, and, she had, and I rifle down to the very bottom, and there's the passports, right where the Lord said they would be. And it was just, see, I chose, I mean, Ingrid said, pray, so I chose faith. And Good. it was the answer. Good. Good. Evidence number one. Um, I don't have to get up or can I just say? So we were driving home in a snowstorm one time. <laughs> and BJ may have been going along at a pretty rapid speed on cruise control while the snow was piling up on the road. And so I was like, God, this feels very unsafe to me. And so I really would just want to tell him about how unsafe it is. So do you need me to do that? Sorry. Um, and so I was like, okay, no, wait. God, you said not to be anxious for anything. And I'm just, I'm not going to be anxious for this. I'm going to pray to you, God. I just pray that if this is an unsafe speed, you will speak to my husband. And I believe that with a whole heart. And if he does not slow down, then I will believe that this is a safe speed. And I finished praying, literally, in, I mean, maybe three seconds, he goes, <laughs> and the car slows down, and he slows way down, and then resets it, and I'm like, well, well why did you slow down? He was like, because God told you, prayed, didn't you? <laughs> I was like, yes, I did, and that was amazing. <laughs> so. Okay. I, while Rob's coming up here, I want to I want to declare uh, we're seeing a measure of faith running around right right here. Are we not? Well, I know. I mean, Tristan, y'all, this is not a possible. Because where's it at? On her foot says no regret. That's the word that God gave her there. Uh, I just wanted to, I just felt like compelled to kind of share this as one is a, just from faith, but then also just an example of uh, miracle immediate debt cancellation. Anybody like debt cancellation? Just supernatural debt cancellation? All right, I got one for you. Uh, when I was serving in the military and I was out on one of these exercises and Uncle Sam felt like I needed to go out into a hot, sticky, nasty forest and I was walking around and they said, don't take your helmet off ever if you're out there. But it was like 100 degrees, so I wanted to take my helmet off. So I hung it on my canteen, walking along, then we sat on a log. When I sat on the log, it lifted it up and then when I walked off, it just rolled off into the, into the sticks. And I get to the end of, this was an obstacle, uh, 
a uh, compass navigation course. So we were way out in the middle of nothing, got back, and didn't know how to go back and find it. We went and looked for it. Instructors went and looked for it. Gone. This thing's about 500 bucks. So when I'm finally leaving, and even when I left there, I said, you know what? I don't know how, Lord, but I'm not going to have to pay for that helmet. Well, that was about probably a year and a half later. I'm out processing out of the military, and they go through this whole list, and they say, bring everything you got, turn it in, and anything you don't have, you got to pay for. And I said, hmm, all right, Lord, I remember we had this conversation, and I believe I'm not going to have to pay for this helmet. So I go in there, and I'm first I'm thinking, I'll go to one of my buddies. Hey, you got an extra helmet? I went to the, to the, to the supply guy. Hey, man, I know you got an old helmet laying around here somewhere you give me. He goes, uh-uh, I don't. I could lose my job if I try that. Well, I don't want that to happen, I guess. <laughs> so I said, all right, I'm just going to believe this. So I go back, and I'm going there, and he says, you got that helmet, you got this, you got this, all this other stuff. And it was like, it's about $700 worth of stuff. I was like, ooh, that's going to hurt. And he said, you got to pay for it before you leave. So you got to come see me tomorrow. We're having some issues with the... With a computer here or something, so I can't take your payment today. But I gotta have a check. Come see me tomorrow. I said okay. So I go to the hall, go to the house. Me and Liz talk about it, and I just went back and I took my check. But I said, Lord, I just really believe I'm not going to have to pay for that helmet. Now that's all I thought I wasn't going to have to pay for. I go back and sit down with him. He was all nervous and jittery, and I said, What's wrong with you today? He said, Do you remember what I showed you on that screen yesterday, which was what you owed? I said, Yeah, like seven hundred dollars. He said, you did see that? I said, yes. He goes, look on his computer screen. And I looked, and he goes, what does that say? I said, zero balance. He said, ah. I said, peace out, dude. I'll see you. <laughs> Give me another one. <laughs> okay, we got two. Aaron's and Robbie. Um, we were renovating a building in England to have a house of prayer and um, we, it was an old school building so we had to do a lot of work we had to create an office and I was building this wall across to, to create a lobby and an office and as I was building the wall you know, I made a room for the door and like a start wall and uh, my wife comes in and says um, it's going to be too dark in here because there's no windows in there and uh, I said yeah but what can we do? She said, we need glass. I said, well, we don't have the money to buy a bunch of glass. And she said, well, we need more light in here. So um, she said, okay, well, let's get together and pray. And so um, we got together with a little team and we prayed for glass to make a glass wall because we wanted to be open and, you know, have that open feel. And uh, so we committed to the Lord. And the next day, my son, who worked for a glass company, calls me up and says, Dad, do you need some glass? He says, I've just been in Reuters headquarters in Bath, and the boss didn't like his glass office. So I got about 30 pieces of glass in my van. Would you like it? And so he called his boss and said, Can we have it? And he said, Oh, well, put 50 pounds in for the kitty, and you can have all of it. So we ended up with a glass wall with stainless steel, you know, door, glass door with stainless steel handles, really expensive stuff. But that's in the house of prayer now. So that's a cool answer. Well, when, uh, you know, Eagle's Nest was at where Mitch lives now um, years ago, and uh, 
on Main Street, and you know we were always looking for another place and and praying about that. And and God told me He said we're gonna I'm gonna give you a place. He said I always give my people a place, you know. And um, so we got you know we we got offered the property that we're on now, and uh, so we went into a lease agreement with Community Housing Partners, um, and still continue to pray. And they they were a blessing, and they've been so good to us and faithful to us. Well, this, uh, this Thursday, we close on the property. So, <laughs> so, amen. And it's been, you know, it's been from faith to faith, you know. It's been from faith to faith. So, amen. Love y'all. Amen. Hallelujah. So, I want y'all to repeat after me. Okay. When in doubt, believe. And that Tom will talk about that at a later date. I want to share this testimony real quick. There's a there's Ted Dean here. Anyway, had to leave. I'll share this real quick. There's there was a couple in our church in business, and uh, wife had some health issues. Had to go to hospital. Had a big hospital bill and all kind of craziness. Business was suffering. One day, I mean, praying. They're just believing God for situations and circumstances. Out of the blue, one day, a dude comes in. Rings on the doorbell, comes into his house. I believe it was into his house or into his office. I can't remember which one. But says, the Lord, I was praying for you. This, is not of our, this was not at our church. God put, it, God put it on my heart to come and give this to you. And he looks out, his hand holds out. It was a check for $25,000. Yo. When in doubt, what? Believe. Say it again. When in doubt, believe. I love hearing the testimonies. It's really good. It's exciting. And uh, I know we're in process. You know, God is what perfecting our faith. You know, we, and, and Robbie said it. We go from faith to faith. It's that, it, and it's not that it's growing. It's that we're learning. We're, you know, we're learning <laughs> to grow. Anyway, let's, uh, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. I just love you, and I thank you, God, for the testimony of your goodness and your grace. Lord, I thank you for the constancy of your, your word. That, Lord, we can, it is like a rock, Lord. It is solid. It is fixed. We can stand on it. It's true. It never wavers. It doesn't shift. Lord, your ways are true. And they are, Lord, we can count on them. And, Lord, you are a safe place. And, Lord, we can trust in your word. It has never failed us. You will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You're always with us, Lord. And if you are with us, who can be against us? So, Lord, we thank you, God. And I just pray, Jesus, that you would help us Uh, to see, Lord, areas where we've been operating in law as opposed to operating in grace and faith, Lord. So help us to see those things, Lord, and give them to you and say, God, help us to walk in a new place, a new way, Lord God, a new covenant, Lord, in agreement with you and what your word says. So we give you thanks for this day. I just pray a blessing upon each one in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed.